Hey friends, greetings from Nairobi, Kenya. This one's a little bit different. I'm gonna try publishing an essay on Substack instead of my website where I usually publish my essays. And then I'll put out a newsletter probably in the next couple of days. Okay, so this essay is called, Could Kristen Bell, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos End Global Hunger? I subscribe to Yuval Harari's theory of social progress. Society improves when we replace a bad story, like slavery is okay, or women shouldn't vote, or governments should run businesses, with better stories. So that's what I'm trying to do with this essay. I'm trying to replace a bad story, which is that you could save the life of a child by subscribing to a box of granola bars, with a better story, which is we can absolutely prevent hunger over the next decade with the right mix of research, policies, inventions, investments, and government capability. Okay. Here it goes. I thought that we had moved past the white savior Barbie, but then I discovered that Kristen Bell, who literally plays a princess in Frozen, founded a granola bar company called, and I shit you not, This Saves Lives. Every purchase of a gluten-free, non-GMO granola bar will allegedly save the life of a starving child like Chepengat from Northwestern Kenya, who is pictured uh, on their website. The non-GMO part is especially ironic, as we'll explore below. Subscribers to a monthly package of granola bars, we are told, will have three times the average impact without any explanation of what is average impact or how it is tripled. This is a granola bar for people who want to feel good when they lay their head on the pillow at night, and that's about it. <laughs> I say that because then comes an advertisement with a smiling princess like Kristen Bell saying, my goal in life is to spread more joy and reduce suffering any way I can. It makes me feel good when I lay my head on the pillow at night that I can be of service to someone else. I don't mean to attack Kristen Bell, who has courageously spoken out about her struggles with depression and anxiety. My intent is to criticize feel good, quote unquote, save the children initiatives that give peanut butter bars to hungry kids without addressing the broken food systems that cause recurring hunger in the first place. From the 1960s until 2018, the percentage of undernourished people around the world fell dramatically, thanks to gains from the so-called Green Revolution, including better seeds, fertilizers, pesticides, irrigation, and farming techniques. But since 2018, hunger and malnutrition are on the rise and projected to continue rising as the world faces, one, a global shortage of grain and fertilizer from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, two, rising food costs from inflation, and three, increased frequent frequency of severe weather from climate change, including East Africa's worst drought in more than 40 years and recent flooding in Pakistan. <clears throat> These three challenges, along with a growing population, will increase hunger over the coming years. In fact, the IMF estimates that the cost of protecting vulnerable households just over the next year is an extra five to $7 billion above the usual $6 billion already spent on food aid. Obviously, we have to prioritize getting basic calories to hungry households, but it won't address the fundamental problem. Last month, reflecting on the lack of progress toward SDG goal number two to end hunger worldwide, Bill Gates wrote an essay and gave a TED-like presentation on the global food crisis. He says, quote, the goal should not be simply to be giving more food aid. It should be to ensure that no aid is needed in the first place, end quote. Next section, 
Wakanda and Turkana. I had the disorienting experience this week of seeing two radically different sides of Kenya within just a couple of days. First, I watched the opening night of Wakanda Forever, surrounded by the Gen Z children of Kenya's elite, the so-called Sarit Youth, named after the luxury mall where we watched the opening night of Wakanda Forever in 3D IMAX. A few days later, I traveled to Lodwar in Turkana County, which borders South Sudan and is the site of a years-long drought and hunger crisis. Both glimpses of Kenya are true. Nairobi is studded with Wakanda-like glistening skyscrapers and impressive infrastructure. Kenya's GDP per capita has more than quadrupled over the past 20 years. Everywhere you look, young people in the latest fashion are snapping selfies in front of luxury cars. At the same time, some Kenyan children are still dying from malnutrition, while inequality has widened. With rose-tinted glasses, Nairobi looks a lot like Wakanda. But take them off, and it's more like the capital of Panem from The Hunger Games. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that I mispronounced Panem. Sorry, Hunger Games fans. Uh, then there's an embedded tweet which shows some recent reporting from Turkana and some of the famine and hunger that's happening there. It's really a heartbreaking video. So why are children still dying of hunger in Turkana when Kenya's GDP per capita has quadrupled over the last 20 years and new SUVs search for parking in Nairobi's many shopping malls? In fact, Turkana County is a case of incredible progress since Kenya's 2010 constitution decentralized public finance and decision-making from the central government to its 47 counties. Before this so-called devolution, there was practically no presence of government in the area. No roads, no hospitals, no public schools. The few services that, were, that existed were managed by the Catholic Church and humanitarian organizations, as Najala Nayabola describes in this powerful essay in Guernica. And this is an excerpt from that essay. Under the system, the Catholic Church and international development organizations, which were supporting millions of refugees fleeing conflicts in neighboring countries, were providing key services that the state would not provide, like healthcare and education. Quote, you must understand, for the last 50 years, the diocese has been the government here. Only devolution has changed that. End quote and end excerpt. Today, Turkana has a public hospital, highways, schools, and decent 4G internet. In fact, Turkana has the largest budget of all of Kenya's 47 counties other than Nairobi, because the amount of money transferred to each county depends on its population, size, and amount of poverty, whereas Turkana is big, poor, and populous. So if the government is well-funded, why then does hunger persist? There are no silver bullets no cheap solutions. These things take time. The vast majority of Turkana County's million residents are nomadic pastoralists whose ancestors came from the Nile River Valley to the north and conquered the Turkana Basin in the 1600s. After resisting British control for a decade, they were ultimately conquered themselves and drafted to fight in the two world wars. They weren't exactly thanked for their service. Turkana was mostly ignored during British rule and not much changed with independence. While there has always been conflict between the Turkana and neighboring ethnic groups, it wasn't until they were armed and militarized by the British that the conflicts became so deadly. For 300 years, the Turkana were conquerors. Then, a century ago, they were conquered by the British, militarized, and ignored. 
Only during the past decade have the Draconum begun constructing a true social contract with a well-resourced representative government that is building roads, hospitals, and struggling to respond to a long drought exacerbated by climate change for which they are not responsible. There's only so much progress you can expect in 10 years. The photos of hungry children in Turkana are heartbreaking, but ultimately this is a story of progress. And here's an embedded tweet of government and civil society workers going out to enroll young students of pastoralist families. That was from just a couple, that was from last week actually. Meanwhile, the international humanitarian organizations like World Vision that have long provided basic services to the residents of Turkana over the past 50 years are now transitioning to strengthen local government through advocacy, outreach, and accountability instead of duplicating government's responsibilities. With a social contract in place and the emergence of a functional local government, Turkana now has the budget and capacity to implement the new and old solutions that will finally put an end to hunger for good. I will describe some of those solutions below, but first a quick detour to ponder whether the world's richest man has enough money to solve world hunger. <clears throat> Next section, could Elon Musk solve world hunger? While it feels like a decade ago, it was only last year that David Beasley, the head of the World Food Program and former governor of South Carolina, got into a Twitter spat with Elon Musk about spending 6.6 billion dollars to, quote, save 42 million people from starvation. This was a real amateur move by Beasley, perpetuating the narrative that rich foreigners can save millions with the signature of a single check. Musk, who was born in South Africa, was right to push back. And here I, I embed the tweets of their little Twitter spat. Uh, Elon's, Elon's re re response to the World Food Program is, if the World Food Program can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how $6 billion will solve world hunger, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. And it got uh, 325,000 likes. USAID and the UN Food Program have plenty enough money for food aid, which is typically purchased from American farmers and distributed to communities facing hunger and famine. But free food can displace local agricultural production. If you're a local farmer, how do you compete with free? So increasingly, humanitarian organizations and local governments prefer to give hungry communities cash that they can then spend on local food production to, bo to boost the demand for local crops. And uh, what follows is a tweet showing some of these uh, cash transfer registration programs. Elon Musk was right to push back against food aid as a band-aid for broken food systems. Of course, a year after his Twitter debate with Beasley about $6 billion, he decided to spend $44 billion on Twitter in what Dave Karpf calls his midlife crisis. But Musk, with a net worth of $200 billion and a signatory of the Giving Pledge, has said that he wants to step up his philanthropic giving later in life. Jeff Bezos just announced that he plans to give away the majority of his $122 billion fortune during his lifetime. So how could $300 billion help put an end to hunger for good? First, by investing in local production of fertilizer and seeds to end the reliance of African farmers on imports from China, Russia, and the United States. 
This is already finally starting to happen in Tanzania and Rwanda with some matching contributions from USAID and the Gates Foundation. Two, by improving irrigation and access to groundwater. As Michelle Williams recently wrote in the Financial Times, the volume of groundwater in Africa is about 20 times that of what is in river and lakes. Yet, in drought-stricken sub-Saharan Africa, less than 5% of what is available is currently being used. Most countries in Africa have enough groundwater to last for decades, even if rainfalls diminish." End quote. Three, through better farmer training, through agricultural extension workers who work for local seed and fertilizer companies. Four, by decreasing food loss from insects between harvest and the point of sale. In Kenya, 40% of food is lost from the farm gate to the family table. Five, a more efficient supply chain linking farmers to consumers. And six, better data availability about weather, market prices, commodity futures, and soil quality to inform farming decisions. The good news is that these opportunities are all common sense. Ask anyone in Kenya's government and civil society, and they'll tell you, of course, this is what needs to happen. In fact, most of these activities form the basis of Kenya's National Agriculture Investment Plan. Unlike climate change, which is shrouded with unknown, uh, <laughs> which is shrouded with unknown variables, we absolutely know how to address hunger. For all of the Gates Foundation's foibles in how it partners with civil society, it has demonstrated how to work in partnership with governments to accelerate research development and the implementation of agriculture policies that will finally put an end to hunger. At the same time, a new generation of local civil society organizations like the Institute of Public Finance Kenya and Friends of Lake Turkana is ensuring that the county governments carry out their development plans to benefit the most vulnerable communities in their counties. And there are some embedded tweets showing their great work that I just saw a couple days ago. Elon Musk is getting flack for demanding that Twitter employees commit to quote unquote hardcore. It's hard for me to get worked up about Twitter. If it disappears, something else will surely take its place. And yet, quote unquote, hardcore commitment is exactly what is needed to improve food systems and end hunger over the next decade. Hopefully Bezos will finish his $500 million yacht soon and start dedicating his time and fortune to, the, to addressing the world's most pressing issues. Similarly, I hope that Musk will move past his Twitter distraction soon enough. If electric cars, rockets, and satellite internet aren't sufficient challenges, then might I suggest that addressing the real roots of hunger will provide him more meaning and impact than working on social media. That is the essay. I would love your comments, uh, either via email or by commenting below. And thanks for listening.